Hello and welcome to episode four of the Source Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Halligan. I am a director of finance and financial services at Azon Recruitment Group. And every week I discuss all matters related to recruitment and talent acquisition. The topic this week that I'll be chatting about is diversity and inclusion. It's a topic that I've been keen to discuss on the show because I just think it resonates through so many areas and, and parts of recruitment and talent acquisition, you know, from senior level hiring right down to entry graduate level. And I am delighted that I was joined to discuss the topic by Orla Gagan. Orla is diversity and inclusion lead for BMP Paribas for Ireland. She's also HR operations manager there. And we had a great chat around some of the initiatives and some of the progress that the bank has made in Ireland in this regard over the last few years, as well as discussing some of the ongoing challenges with DNI within recruitment and also where we think things are going and, and what topics are likely to come up in the future. So look, it was a really interesting chat. And I hope you enjoy listening to the conversation with Orla and I. Hi, I'm delighted to be joined on episode four of the Source podcast by Orla Gagan. Orla is HR Operations Manager and Diversity and Inclusion Lead for BNP Paribas Ireland. Orla, it's great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, Kevin. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me onto the podcast. You know, to talk about diversity, diversity inclusion, a bit of passion for mine. So delighted, delighted to be on board. Yeah, and I'm thrilled to have you on. It's a topic that I've wanted to discuss on the show for a while, something that I'm quite passionate about myself. And also, I think within the recruitment industry, it's something that's very important, you know. Um, inbound talent acquisition obviously has a big focus on DNI policies, but I think it's also very important as a recruitment agency recruiters that we're well prepared and well equipped to understand the topic and so that we can present diverse shortlists and diverse pools of candidates to employers because I think it's important that as well as employers doing it, that you know, kind of from the ground up, we're just talking to people across multiple industries and sectors about multiple companies that there's a real focus on it from a recruitment agency side. And we can chat about, and we will chat about during the show, about some of the challenges around that and where I think some of the flaws are within agency recruitment and you know where the gaps are and what we can do better as an industry. But equally, I know you've done an awful lot of work with BNP over the last number of years uh, in terms of kind of improving everything from a DNI perspective there. So I'm keen to, to hear that side of things. And also, I think keen that we should mention at the start of the show that... Um, I'm not you know, necessarily saying that me and you having this conversation, that we're the best qualified people in, in the world or that you know, we're the most diverse people that are on the show right now. But I also do think it's important that everyone discusses the topic and you kind of put these things out in the world and, and get conversations going. Absolutely, completely agree with you. And I said, you know, diversity inclusion is everyone's agenda. So, you know, everyone has to be uh, committed, prepared and kind of hoping to change as, as we go on. So definitely looking forward to having a chat with you. Great, great. So look, firstly, Orla, you might just tell us a little bit about your own role within diversity inclusion in BNP. Definitely, definitely. I guess what I might do just even to start off a little bit of background about myself in general. Um, yeah. Because I have BNP. So I've been being proud of for about five years now and got, got it flown. But I guess before that, the whole plan for me was all I wanted to be was a teacher. It's really, it's really funny when I look back at it and I think things don't work out maybe 
the way I always I've always imagined. So I didn't get the points for it, and I ended up doing a course which was all about education and training and learning and development. Opened okay. up a lot of uh, doors for me, a lot of careers I never really thought about. And the 12-week internship had to come along in the final year, and I was very lucky to be placed in the HR department in the Empire And sure, that was back 2015, and they haven't got rid of me since, so I'm, I'm going with that, so that's an okay yeah. thing. Uh, but I guess I've been really, really lucky because I've had a, a great overview of all areas of HR. So I said, kind of say like the A to Z, so from the the admin, the controls, the data, reporting, payroll, to then maybe the more kind of front office sides of the recruitment, employee issues, you know, HR projects and kind of a business support, like so like diversity and inclusion. So it's really, really good to have, I guess, such a, bit, a broad exposure and mixture to everything. Um, and then my kind of going back to my particular focus with, with DNI, uh, I guess it came in at a great time that we were only starting our, our planning and our initiatives um, as a department and also then with senior management so I think I was lucky that when we were coming in it was so new um, we knew it was important we knew um, we wanted to have put a bit of focus on it so it was a great kind of learning curve to, um, to be able to jump in and help so I guess what I always want to say about my role in DNI, and I guess the point of it is we don't have one dedicated person in being private for um, diversity and inclusion. It, it's a very much a shared job, a shared job between um, HR, a shared job between the people who are in the employee resource groups, which I'll talk about later, and also then like our senior leadership team. And you'll hear me mention a lot now throughout, we are really, really lucky to have our country head um, and CEO, Derek Yeo, who's really, really supportive of diversity and inclusion. And that makes my job a lot easier when you, when you have the support. Yeah. So I guess... Going back and looking to what we've done um, over the last couple of years, it, it really has been more, and, and as cliche as it sounds, like an improvement journey. So I'm not sitting here saying that we're uh, the most advanced or the most progressive in, in this area, but we really have gone from you know zero to 100 in, in a solid four or five years. Yeah, yeah. And I think, right, I think actually just generally that's a good point that like for everyone in every business, it, it's an ongoing thing and it needs to be an ongoing thing, you know? Um, like if you, even the change in, in culture, the way the world has changed in the last few years, that just topics coming to the forefront of the DNI now that a few years ago, no one would have even thought of, you know? So I think it's, it's a continuous thing and it has to be a, a continuous process. And it's great, as you say, that it's, it's from the top down in, in your place because I think it has to work both ways as well. I think senior leadership team in a company have to buy, buy into it and, and want to address the issues for there to be any kind of real success, you know? Um, and, no. and, and I suppose, how, how has the journey gone? You said it's been a kind of continuous journey. Yeah. I think what, what I always kind of say is if I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a step back, so the reason um, I was definitely att certainly attracted straight away to DNI, and it'd be something, as I said, and you'll see throughout that I'm, I'm quite passionate about, but one of the reasons that I love my job and why I get my satisfaction from my job is making being private a good place to work. So, okay. you know, we have 600 employees in Ireland and all of them, okay, you might not be able to please, you know, everyone, but the majority, you want to make sure that they enjoy working for being private that they can bring, you know, their whole self to work. And I guess that they're also proud to be associated with, with the organization. So in doing that, you know, it, it doesn't all just fall back on DNI. It also maybe, you know, you look at positive management, you know, career path, LMD, all these other areas that play a part in the culture. But for diversity and inclusion, um, it was one of the ones that we started kind of first. And, you know, now we're completely in a, a business as usual. 
um, approach. But I think what I would probably do to kind of show the, the, the kind of progression is maybe give a bit of an overview of explain what we've done, say, from 2016 to now. Yes. And I can show that you don't need massive headcount. You don't need six-figure budgets to make it happen. You just need a little bit of engagement and that little bit of extra effort goes, goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys have done over the last few years to, to move things forward. <laughs> cool. Okay, so I think we'll, we'll fire away. When I, I guess when I was, I was thinking about this um, yesterday when I was preparing, so looking back, um, it's always been kind of with HR. So someone in the team has, has taken, taken on a bit of a responsibility. You know, the first thing we look at is, right, how can we raise awareness? How can we raise the, the point of, of diversity inclusion being, yeah. being really, really important? So we started off, say, back in 2016, different events, different, as I call, lunch and learning sessions, really just starting to raise the awareness. And each year we would look and say, well, what can we do better? What can we improve? So then say in 2017, we worked to become a member of the 30% Club. So again, okay. that was when we were a supporter of that. And we started to run like inclusive culture workshops and training. At the start, we made them mandatory. And then we realized if people are engaged, if, if employees are happy and interested in the topic, you don't need to make it um, mandatory. People will just sign up. So it was great. In 2018, then we looked and said, okay, at the moment, in, 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 for being prepared in Ireland, we're in four different buildings. You know, three in Gal three in Dublin, one in Galway. So yeah. it's kind of making sure that everyone is included and we, we have that inclusive culture. So in 2018, we started to work on a few more different events. Went from organizing our first International Women's Day uh, panel discussion to then founding like a mentor program, mm -hmm. running a health and wellness program. So not directly associated with DNI, but all focusing on this inclusive culture and building that kind of environment that we want. Yeah. After that, then we got a lot of different external speakers in for diversity and inclusion events. And that's kind of the format that we kept going, looking to build, say, year on year. So we look back to 2019, probably the biggest year that we had. So again, feels like ages ago. But yeah, sure, only yeah, a lifetime year. ago, yeah. <laughs> we, um, so we organized International Women's Day. So we did two panel discussions, um, external, so everyone from the different buildings could come. And I think we worked out something like maybe 240 people on, on the day came. Oh, okay, yeah. Really, really good turnout. And it shows people are interested. Um, and on that day in Dublin, we were delighted we were awarded the Sovereign from Bank of Ireland. So again, a real kind of big moment of achievement for us because for people maybe that are aware of the Sovereign with Bank of Ireland, um, it's a symbol that they used to give to women back before 1973 in okay. their career to mark that um, when they were getting married, that that would be their career uh, basically finished. What they've yeah. now done is revamp the sovereign to give it as a token to show how far a company has progressed in, in the world of diversity and inclusion. So the head of um, diversity and inclusion, Kate Butler, gave it, gave it awarded that to us um, in 2019. And it just really, yeah, it showed a, a lot of improvement that, that we've, we've gone on. So between that, we were still busy and we did the, the, the the topic that we really wanted to get to, which was employee resource groups, because what I will, will always be talking about is there's only so much HR can do. There's yeah. only so much senior management can do. It really has to be employee driven and employee led. So not one, not two, but three employee resource groups founded in 2019. So at the moment we have a mix city, which would be like a career advancement to reach your full potential group. Okay. Um, a pride group ran to make sure that anyone in the LGBTQIA plus community feels safe and welcomed and a parents and carers um, network to make sure that people feel fully supported 
if they have, say, parenting and caring responsibilities and maybe extra pressures that, that we wouldn't be you know, aware of. So we ran through all of that and sure, that was only the first start of the year. And then we went and looked at the training side of things. So we ran unconscious bias training for anyone yeah. on the management team. So a solid half a day, you know, nearly I think it was three and a half hours they, they all gave up to look at unconscious bias as a topic. Again, comes into the recruitment side a lot, but it's really, really an interesting area, I think, to people to have a bit of an understanding. And then after that, then we worked on a lot of the kind of DNI strategies uh, to do with developing our own local strategy and then also looking at what we do in the recruitment side of things. You know, so now when we interview people, we want to make sure that we pose a, a DNI question to them because that's the sort of people we want working working for us. Yeah. So, you know. In quick summary, and there's a lot of stuff there, moving from events and awareness and trying to get just the name out there that this is something we want to do to actually then maybe going a little bit more strategic, looking where we can put it in the business and the training side of the things. So it's been really, really interesting. You know, it's just, it's ran into a BAU now. You know, it's completely natural, natural for us. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Like, and, and it's clear the amount of work that's gone into it from from your side and i'm sure other people internally to get it up and running and and to get it as you say embedded as part of the the bau because like you know in my experience from chatting to companies that like it's these things are easy to say you know it's easy to say that we you know we want to improve dni but even from the groups you mentioned there like i suppose i'm putting name but it's literally so diverse that there's so many topics and so much that can be put into it that I think it's easy to pay lip service to, but actually getting it embedded as part of the DNA of the of the company is 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 a real challenge. And how did you get it to go all from you know initially being driven by HR and senior management and your ideas to getting the employees to want to set up these groups and, and run it you know kind of from the bottom up? How how did you you know get from A to B there? I have to say it's a great question because it is a little bit about. Um, a shift uh, it, you know for a while there I did feel that it was just constantly coming from us we were we were pushing we were sending the emails out but I always remember I think it could have been the 2018 um, and inclusion week uh, it ties back into what I'm saying with this inclusive culture we finished a town hall which we always regularly do and we finished with a piece on diversity and inclusion saying well this is what we're hoping to do we're hoping to commit to it we want to make sure that you have a voice that you um, can come to us, can approach, say, for example, me. If you have an idea, let's do it. It's not, it's not just relying on HR. Yeah. And I said, I want people to feel, I guess, safe and welcome. And as is, oh, and the expression I hear, to bring your whole self to work, because that's for us when you get the best out of people. So I remember, yeah, after that session, um, the next kind of day or two, I started getting a few emails and it was people coming to me saying, it's great. I actually feel a bit more, um, comfortable we Brilliant. we heard yeah. people then think we have these ideas do you think that i could could i could run with it and we were like well yeah like please please do so to see that we had three or four different people that were interested in different areas that they were passionate a bit about um made our life so much easier and for them to form committees they, they run everything themselves and i sit in every now and then but like they have all their ideas they have all their budgets it's completely with them and it's just took the for the, the autonomy now to come up with ideas and um it's just such, it's such a, it's such a change and you can just see the engagement goes go straight up yeah i was gonna say like that level of employee engagement is fantastic and it's it's not easy to get and it's not easy 
to do to get people to to buy into that and uh, have the, the engagement side it's funny the, the one thing that we always say when we look at it actually is that's something that people would need to do you need to track it you need to have you know your your, your kpis and really be able to analyze all the the your scores your ratings and the one thing i guess that we're really proud of in the last five years is looking from say what we were to now and i think the last employee engagement was something like 91 percent of people felt that senior management really support and value diversity and inclusion in the workplace so to go to what we were to that figure to be honest i, I couldn't ask for anything better yeah yeah no, like that's that's it's brilliant it's fantastic and, and you're right we agree it's it's about measuring these things um we, we use a good tool ourselves um that kind of builds on ai and machine learning and it's used by a lot of companies globally and it's it's really good it's called the tune but the whole process is that it's an ongoing thing you know you have your big surveys big engagements but then it's every couple of weeks you know there's five or six automated questions sent out to kind of sense check the mood and, and get a sense of how people actually are and i think it's incredible like within three months or six months the differences that you can see but it really I think, sharpens hr and, and management focus to say right this is something we need to work on but by doing it on an ongoing basis you get to deal with these things before they become a problem because you can see the trends definitely definitely it just helps yeah it helps you identify what you're looking for and then to shape for the future and that's what we all just want to do is keep planning you know for the next the next couple of months so yeah that's, that's great and you, you mentioned obviously then they're the policies that i suppose are used locally across the offices in ireland is it similar in terms of the the, the bank's global approach or you know do the policies vary kind of country to country definitely policies vary country to country or again one what say works for ireland might not work for another country yeah. I, i've noticed that yeah. so but in general globally we have such a huge presence you know i think we're 73 countries over 200,000 staff and employees yeah. so yeah. it's very it's very very large but i think what we see there that really steps out for me is it comes from the top down so we have a group ceo jean-laurent bonnefay and he is very much a supporter of diversity and inclusion and things that we see that we might see on our Econet or in our internal directory, like he has signed recently one of the United Nations Key for Sheep campaign, okay. which is to make sure that we have a gender balanced kind of boards by 2025. So to see that commitment from the top, you know, down, it really reinstates the importance of DNI in, in an organization. You know, recently we updated our EVP and our employer promises, and that was like the number one thing we put on that we want to have a diverse and inclusive workforce. So I think when you see these things, it just reinforces the importance of it and then you can adapt it locally. But before you know we joined um, to chat today, I, I looked to see the stats and I think the figures are like 25,000 people involved with employee resource groups across the globe. So like, again, it shows the engagements there. It shows the interest is there. They're, yeah. they're, they're big numbers and it? it's quite impressive when you, when you look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like the resource groups alone are bigger than most companies in the world. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's incredible to to get that that kind of engagement. And as you say, it must be very encouraging for you and the other guys in the HR team to know that that level of support, not just locally but on a on a on a global scale. You know, um, and look, I, I guess to to move on a bit to the topic that I'm particularly interested in is uh, DNI with within within recruitment and, um. I, I suppose what that looks like for you guys uh, within, within the bank, but also also generally, like 
and, and part of the reason why I wanted to have this chat and we spoke a bit about kind of off air was it's just some of the, the kind of issues and the, the challenges that that I see within within DNI from a recruitment perspective. Mm-hmm. And like one big challenge that um, we see in our end is that you know whether conscious or unconscious, you know, as a recruitment agency, your job and goal is to give the clients the, the shortlist and type of profile of candidates that they want, but also naturally over time, you also get to learn what type of candidates they generally tend to hire and bias can fall into the process then because if you know, just to give a very typical example, if someone's looking for an accountant, they always hire the accountant that got a top leave insert, went to a big four practice, passed all their exams first time as top, top academics and you naturally realize, well, that's what they want and that's what you, you know, that's what you give them. But that can exclude the pool of candidates. And this is a very basic example, but for example, that maybe had a different path or didn't go to college or started exams later in life or started exams while they worked and for various reasons, weren't able to get a great leave insert, maybe challenges at home or they've moved from a different country, you know, whatever it may be. And that's a big cohort of people that then don't get considered. And that's not necessarily a fault on the company side or the recruiter side, but it's a clear bias and, and, and a clear gap. So it's those type of things I'm always keen to discuss and see like how how do we address them so keen to get your own thoughts on, on, on what you guys look for in your end. I think it's a very good point and I think what you're kind of saying there is something that it's a topic that we need to be a little bit more open about and a little yeah. bit honest with it. I guess what um, I am where you're saying is what you and I have and the opinion we have is not maybe what everyone will share but yeah. I guess that's that's the whole point of these conversations. Um, for me, in the recruitment side of things, and I guess what we've always learned as a team when recruiting for, for being private is focusing on one thing and one thing only, which is who is the best person for the job, who can do the best job. And after that, then that's all we really should look at. So I'm saying we're, we're, we're probably not that advanced where we take names off um, CVs, yeah. um, but we always have that in at the back of our mind. Similarly, that's what we've trained our managers who are recruiting to do the same thing. So we want to focus on that. Uh, you know, we've heard there is horror stories. I know out there, you know, I do hope that it is in the past where maybe people like what you've said there might not have um, the third level degree or might have mentioned in the interview that they, you know, they were recently, recently married. Uh, things like uh, mad things that I really do feel have been in the past are something where society has changed and adapted. So I don't think, we are like that in anymore. And that's what I know. I hope that. And that's me saying that in a positive uh, frame of mind. I guess what we've really just tried to do, like the unconscious bias training, is if we can make our managers aware of that and if we can remind them constantly to keep this open mind and to keep the kind of focus on who, is, who are we looking for to do the job, who can do the best job. And that's all that really, as a, as a recruiter or as someone who's helping in the recruitment process, that I can ask for. Yeah, yeah, and I I, t- I totally agree. And like, for me, I realised that there's something broken and there's work that needs to be done. Was when I started out in recruitment, probably quite green, and you just think best person for the job mm-hmm. always gets the job, but that's not necessarily the case. And there's a particular guy, and I won't go into personal details about him, but he had joined one of the big banks on their fund administration side who uh, through their grad program and you know there's some great grad programs there where you can see it's a really diverse pool of people that they hire you know um 
and he had gone in there, done well. I'd met him, spoke to him. Absolutely brilliant candidate. Um, I, I guess didn't have an Irish sounding name. Let's kind of put it that way, right? It was, it was quite it was quite different to your standard, you know, Anglo-Saxon Irish name, whatever way you want to put it. But he and, and he was absolutely brilliant. And I sent him across to a number of companies that we were working with, and he didn't get an interview, even though on paper his skill set was brilliant. And I just had this feeling that if the guy had a different name, he would have got an interview, right? Because he good academics. Um, and when you met him, he was just absolutely brilliant. And I really tried to push it at the time with different places saying, listen, you really need to meet this guy. He's, he's great. And he can do this, this, and this. Um, and at the time, you know, didn't really get a lot of interest in, in chatting to him. And that never sat well with me because I just really felt in my heart of hearts, if he had, a, you know, a more Irish than the name, the guy would have got interviews. And then, you know, as it happens, it's a couple of years later, He's working with a top investment manager, front office job, doing absolutely brilliantly in his career. And he's gone, you know, he's probably a level ahead of the type of jobs he was looking at three years ago. And I was just delighted, you know, and I keep in touch with him. And it's brilliant because he's kind of fulfilling his potential. But for me, you know, there was no reason a couple of years ago why there weren't more places taking a chance on him. And I just thought like, okay, there has to be something we can do here. There's something wrong somewhere in the process that, people aren't jumping to meet this guy, you know? Um, and it, it, look, it's a horror story and whatever, but it's always kind of stuck with me to think, right, we need to do more. We need to try and help educate our clients more, but also, you know, be open to learning more ourselves and trying to find what the biases are that we don't see and, and we're not aware of. No, I think it's like, it's, it's, it's sad when you hear things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you've told told the good side of the story that you know that he's doing well and he, he's been, he's in a good company now and quite advanced in his career. But the point there, like what we said, was that was a couple of years ago, and I really do believe with the likes of society, things have changed quite rapidly in the space of DNI. So yeah. we're in a different space than we were four to five years ago. Um, you know, I would be, I guess, a firm believer from if I had to interview tomorrow that. I would hope that I would be treated the same. I guess, you know, being very, very honest, the two of us here, uh, can we, we've said it, like, you know, we're probably not in a position to say about discrimination and being at a disadvantage. But yes, yeah, agreed. I think what we can do is everyone should be working together to try stop that. So I guess what I would always say, and I've said it to my managers as well, if you think that you have that bias or if you think that, like, there's something not you know you've got this gut feeling you have to kind of pinpoint that and you have to change it you have to try have that open mindset and really for us focusing looking at like what we said the paper if the person has the best skill set and has performed the best interview you know and you've marked them on your score at the scoring rate at the end of the interview why shouldn't they get the job and i think it just has to be as open and as clear as as that even though it sounds quite simple it's the best person who gets the job and i think everyone starts somewhere so there could be organizations still out there that aren't doing that, but you just have to make that move, make that shift and, and, and make the change. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree totally. Like we, we do a number of things here internally in terms of training our own consultants. Cause at the end of the day, you're talking to you know, hundreds of candidates a week and, and you know, hundreds of different companies a month. So I think it's really important that we do our best on our side. And, you know, we've got a few different pillars and things we do in terms of training um, around, you know, unconscious bias and, um, 
you know, ongoing analysis of the type of shortlist we send, the gender splits of shortlists that we send, and, you know, just trying to be, use all the information we have as, as best we can, you know, even down as far as, and it's not possible in, in post-COVID world, but in normal times about, even trying to consultants about where they meet people, like for, for example, it sounds basic, but like, you know, if you're a male consultant, is it a good idea to suggest that you're meeting a female candidate in a pub at six o'clock in the evening? Or, you know, is that correct? Like, I know it sounds really basic, but like, there are all things you have to consider, you know, is the place accessible, you know, loads of different things to consider, but we really try and just build it in when consultants, you know, kind of start here to just make them aware of all the different factors to consider. Because I don't necessarily think that people go out, you know, no one goes out intentionally trying to be, or at least most people don't, you know, but it, it kind of, it does happen. It is, no. And I think you touched on a really good point there about the accessibility side of things. And especially in recruitment, it was something that when we were doing maybe our recruitment campaigns more more directly, it's, you really have to think of these things. Well, where are you putting your, your job advertisements? Where are you advertising for the role? Like if I'm only advertising in the same college for the last five years, well, that's not going to help, help me. So again, yes. widening your scope, widening your search. If it's that you only use, no offense, say one recruitment agency should yeah. you look and see if there are others others on the market is there more job boards you could use really making sure that it's accessible to everyone like the spec is the spec readable does it make sense is it is it very male dominated if it is can we make it make sure it's a bit more gender balanced is it for someone maybe who has a learning difficulty is it is, is it clear enough so people can read so that it's a fair chance for everyone and i think it's only when you start and you look you're focusing so all on the awareness you move to the training side you realize how strategic diversity and inclusion really can be and that you have to spend the time and commit to try and make these changes yeah and that's the thing right you really have to think about it and put the time into it and you know we try and ensure that all our job ads are, are friendly for all so like insofar as using you know using neutral language right and some of the stuff sounds quite basic but you know there's research to show that you know where where qualifications are put down as essential that that can that women are less likely to apply to jobs whereas in general men apply to jobs even if they haven't got all the essential skills so you're changing to preferred skills and i know this is quite basic and some companies are all over this and way ahead of it but i do think there's a lot of companies in, in ireland that are so far off the mark that it's worth even discussing down to the kind of granular basics of, of a dna policy you know 100 percent, 100 percent, and i think it's even there's no doubt, like, you should, we can't deny it, like, there's probably, probably organizations that don't even have a DNI strategy, and, like, that yeah. is okay, you know, and that's not, that's not the problem, it's that we need to make sure these people are willing to change, and I always kind of, you know, I love a bit of facts and figures, and I always think that if you're going to say something, you need, you need to back it up, and yeah. the two things that I always remember about diversity and inclusion, and why you should have them in the business, in your business, um, from the Harvard Business Review, first one is, Companies that are more diverse have a 70% chance of earning new business. The second one is people who have that diverse mindset. So if you're hiring the diverse mindset are usually more productive, innovative and better problem solvers. So if you have those two things in mind, why wouldn't you want to incorporate DNI into your, yeah. your organization, into your strategy? So I just think that's the thing. So if the problem is starting from scratch and having to get maybe senior buy-in those two facts really do you know mean a lot and show a lot and you know interesting to start really yeah yeah exactly and that's the thing like every company has to start somewhere you know and uh don't think we're going to solve all the problems with dni in the world on this podcast but 
it's uh, yeah for me it's just a kind of an awareness thing and just having people think about these things and I think particularly in, in recruitment you know like if you're looking at it from a recruitment perspective and you're thinking about what do your clients particularly your big global clients that clearly have put a lot of thought into these things what do they want like they want you to acknowledge the fact that you are getting diverse and gender balanced candidate appeals over to them and they want to talk about it because they talk about it internally and to be honest is that a point now where if you're not having those conversations and talking to them about that well then you're behind the curve you know and um, you know as you said the world has moved on a lot in the last couple of years and, and i think you're right you know the example i gave is a, is a few years ago and things have moved on beyond that but you know there's always more that can be done um like where, where do you, you Never know, where do you think it's going you know or what, what's next yeah I guess it's a great question. I think uh, for, from BNP's point of view, or for, from, from being private in Ireland, we still have a, a lot of work to do. You know, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I think, you know, we want to probably, in that expression, the new normal now, but, you know, our working way will change. So for me, it's taking the whole idea of diversity and inclusion and inclusive culture and saying, well, realistically, a team of 20, they'll probably not all be in the same room together now for a long, long time. Yeah. So how do we keep the inclusive culture? How do we keep um, diversity and inclusion still going when people aren't actually, actually together? Um, so that, I think, is going to be really, really interesting in the next couple of months to see how that develops. Um, in the next few weeks, sure, we actually have our, our recent DNI week all virtual now. So I never would have thought um, that we would be doing something as so so online but, it, but it's yeah. amazing so kind of focusing on different areas again that we might not have looked at if we weren't working from home so lots of hidden disabilities again trying to make sure that everyone is included and, and feeling kind of welcome and the idea of um, making sure that even if you're at home that you're still in touch with people so it's I think it's going to be a, an interesting time to, to say the least yeah, it is. Yeah, there's that extra dynamic of, of including people when everything is, is online and taking into account the different situations that people have, whether in a share house, people are back at home with parents or they've got kids running around. It's like, how do you bring that all together? And, you know, how do you make everyone feel included and involved? And even how do you get time that suits everyone? Because people's schedules are all over the place at the moment. Some people are exactly. later bringing kids in and out and, you know, some people are less traveling. It's just uh yeah, it's very kind of complex, uh, complex thing at the moment, I guess. No, definitely. And I think that's it. So I, I guess we're, we're quite lucky because things that we want to do, uh, you know, and I, that's the, the one thing that I want to kind of get across here is your senior management and your senior leadership team is key. So I know whatever we start planning to do and the plans that we have, it will be supported. So I think that's the, the one thing that we're so lucky to kind of have in being private at the moment because it just makes everything uh, much easier for us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like, I'm always keen to see, you know, what comes next and, and what's the next step in the topic and, and what moves things forward. And something that I've been looking at recently myself, which is really interesting and I really, uh, I think is very applicable to everything in regards to unconscious biases. And I don't know if you've seen this, but the Protect Action campaign, um, which is, it's running in the UK and there, there are people now in Ireland running with it. Um, and I suppose the whole idea of this is bias around accents and it really applies in recruitment and the studies show that, you know, uh, people are, people suffer in terms of their careers, people suffer in terms of career advancement as regards unconscious bias around accents. And obviously that's something that really comes through, I think, in a recruitment and an interview process. 
Um, and when I heard it first, it kind of really resonated with me because I thought, look, over time, have I? My accent has absolutely changed because there's a way you feel you should speak in, in the workplace. And I think it's a level of unconscious bias that affects a lot of people. Um, and, you know, we've got the guys here. We're going to go on, on training with that now with them because, um, yeah, I just think it's really important and a kind of a new angle that I hadn't really heard of or, or talked about in depth previously. Really interesting. No, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard, but it, it definitely is, especially the more and more now, again, the phone calls that we're having, the, you know, the video conferences, it is, it is something that, you know, you wouldn't maybe be aware of. Um, it's very similar. The other, the other area that we think that is probably up and coming is the idea of neurodiversity. And again, evermore when you're working from home. So people have that different way of learning, the different way of understanding, visualizing and adapting. And I think it's something that it will be one to watch and will, you know, develop over, over the next few months. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's uh, it's fascinating as I said like there's always there's always something oh. new uh, and, yeah. uh, and 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 changes that that are happening and just to I guess close out all it um, and the final kind of topic you know just discuss you know what like kind of what does DNI mean to you or, or what does it mean even to to the bank you know what's the what's the message there Yeah I think I think it's a really it's a, it's a really really good point so uh, for us and I hope throughout all of this you, you've kind of uh, there's a bit of a theme here that without maybe collaboration from external speakers and really when we look back our actual competitors but have given us the time the support the advice and guidance to let, get diversity inclusion and in BNP off the ground so that's something that I think is so great about about DNI. so you may be you know might be your, your competitor in the market but when it comes to this there's no competition every just everyone just just wants to collaborate and wants to see people succeed so I think that's really really key as I said similarly for the bank all we really want is that people enjoy working for BNP Paribas that they're they're happy you know coming in every day they're proud to work for for the organization and it's an expression that we've kind of used a lot throughout all the different DNI weeks and it's something kind of touching back on the, the inclusive side but it's a quote by Jesse Jackson, which basically says, when everyone is included, everyone wins. And for me, that's really the, I guess, idea and concept of DNI that I would take um, in anything I do. So, uh, yeah, that's that kind of, that would be kind of my feeling for, for, for DNI. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. Like, and it's, it's a great quote and I guess a, a great mantra to you kind of build your, your policies around, you know. It's, uh, yeah, like it's fantastic. Obviously, the improvements and the strides that have been made over the, the last few years. And uh, yeah, very interested to see how things go from here. Um, as I said, look, we've we've touched quite like high level on a few topics here, and this this conversation won't change the world. But certainly from my side, and I'm sure it's the same for you, for anyone listening that wants to explore the topics further, just reach out because whether it's recruitment or whether it's someone in HR or whether it's someone in talent acquisition, that you're right. I think it's one of those topics that people are just glad to help and, and glad to speak about. You know, knowing. I mean, okay, yes, overall, there are financial benefits to having great DNI policies, but I don't think people look at it that way. It's just, you know, how do we move things forward as, as a society and within the workplace to make, I guess, everyone's, you know, day to day more enjoyable, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, no, like I just want to say thanks a million again, Arla, for, for coming on. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks very much, Kevin. It's been great. And exactly what you said. So if anyone is listening that maybe is starting their DNI journey, please don't be, don't be afraid to reach out either by email or by LinkedIn. Um, I would love to help and kind of uh, give back to everything that we've learned from, from, from everyone else. So uh, yeah. thanks, it's been a pleasure for a chat today. Yeah, no, no problem at all. When I put this out, I'll include um, where people can contact you and uh, if they want to chat about the topic further. But look, thanks a million. It's been, it's been great. Super, thanks so much.
thanks a lot for listening to episode four. I really enjoyed the chat with Orla as we were both at pains to discuss during the recording of the podcast. Neither of us are necessarily experts in the area, or at least we, you know, we don't claim to have all the answers, but also just think it's a really important topic just to put out there in the open and just to have those kind of open and honest conversations. And it's definitely a topic that I'll be exploring further on the podcast. Again, some really interesting ones actually coming up over the, the next couple of weeks, uh, including um, having uh, Sophie Rowan on, the um, HR thought leader. I also have a great conversation lined up regarding modeling and analytics within recruitment. Uh, so once again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I look forward to speaking to everyone again next week. Thank you.